0: Good evening to each of you. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord again tonight and just to surround around the Word. I hope you are hungry. Uh, Physically, I'm not. I tell you, you all have been so gracious and it's been a fulfilling experience in the literal sense here in the South. It's been good. Thank you for your love, and thank you so much for your prayers. I deeply appreciate it. The memory verse that I would like for us to consider tonight again is in, found in Romans chapter 14, verses 17, 18, and 19. Why do we stand together as we say these words together? Verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. May the Lord have the blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. And so when we think about this uh, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost and when we think about letting us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. And so tonight I would like for us to consider in the message, um, edification or building one another up versus um, tearing one another down. And I titled the message tonight, out of the abundance of the heart. And I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. And in that scripture, in verse 34. So Matthew chapter 12, and we'll read from verse 33 to 37. And it goes on to say, it says, Either make the tree good, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the treasures, sorry, the evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word... That men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. In these words that Jesus spoke, and this was the Son of God that spoke these words. And to there's a number of things that it conveys to me. It is saying that the tongue in reality will and can determine our destiny. And that is how serious it is what we speak. Because doesn't that is not what it says in verse 37, "For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words thou shalt be condemned." That tells me that there are two opposing results of the results of our words. And so it is important for us to understand that as it says in Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. And that is either death or life. And so when you think about the importance and the significance of our words, that they have such a tremendous power that it actually determines our destiny. That is significance. Amen? That is a very serious thing. And when we think about death and life, those again are absolutely opposed one to another. And so it is important for us to understand as children of God, as Christians, that we must take great measure and great discipline to have our words guided and directed by the spirit of God. Absent of that. If they are only directed by our own intuition. Or our own intellect. And in our, in our fleshly person. Our destiny will be according. And James one twenty six says. If any man among you. And this is talking to the church. This is talking to us as Christians. If any man among you seems to be religious. And bridles not his tongue. But deceiveth his own heart. And look at what it says at the very end. This man's religion. Is vain. It's empty. It's meaningless. You can be as religious as you want but if you don't harness your tongue all that is a sham it's a mockery it means nothing think about it so when there is uh, people that confess profess claim and even look religious, but their mouth is vile. I will assure you, the Word of God says, all that is vain. And so, my friends, tonight, when I think about revival, when I think about the Spirit of God, to have free course in a person's life, much hinges upon the mouth the tongue, and when I think about uh, death and life in this, in the power of it, my desire is for us tonight to awaken our conscience and awareness that every word we speak is heard in the spiritual realm. Did you get that? Every word. That you and I speak is heard in the spiritual realm, and that is sobering. And that can, and and that is when you when we and I always, I've said many times, if we would get a two-second blip of being able to look into the spiritual realm that is around us, we would fall flat on our face before Almighty God if we would understand the battles that are raging in the opposing spiritual realms that is surrounding us it is significant it is major and our battle is not flesh and blood dear friends it is spiritual and so let us keep in mind every word is heard by the spiritual realm and there's two opposing there is the kingdom of god and the kingdom of this world the devil and the lord jesus christ and those two hear every single word that comes out of our mouth keep that in mind as i give you this backdrop that I want to talk about. Our words have enormous power for good and for evil. Yes, your tongue can even kill or save lives. And when I think about uh, Satan, the evil one, he is like a spy. He's here slyly and uh, wanting to hear in and listen in what you and I have to say and he uses those things against us as much as possible. So I'll give you a little window into uh, an experience that I ha- uh, my wife and I had. And so as you all know that life brings about challenges, and there was a challenge in a relationship uh, between me and another man And uh, it it was rather tense. It was rather difficult. And as far as I know, I tried everything I possibly could to have this relationship restored to the best of my ability. But to no avail, it seemed. And we'll leave that there. And there was one day, as I was in the office... And I was sitting in the office, and and uh, from that morning till on into the day, I felt this oppression—just that a dark cloud over me. It was so, can I say, discouraging, and it was it was heavy, it was real, and I and I couldn't understand what was all going on. But I trusted in the Lord. This was not that many years ago. And so I knew that this is only for a time, and I I trust in the Lord even beyond that cloud or that beyond that oppression or whatever it was that was oppressing me. And all of a sudden it dawned on me about this relationship. And I prayed to the Lord Almighty. And I resigned and committed that individual to God. I placed him on the altar, and I absolutely resigned everything. Because I could sense that there was something being spoken about me that gave Satan destiny, and the destiny was me. And as I renounced Satan and as I committed that individual to the Lord, the cloud left. And that was about, I want to say, three o'clock in the afternoon and the rest of the day was like a normal day, if I could say that. There was that, that oppression left. And I come home that evening and I shared this with Irma, my wife. And she experienced the same. And so we looked at each other, and I shared what went through my experience, and as she experienced the same, it just touched us so deeply. And so this is what I want for us to consider. When I And this is the image that came to me in that time as I was communing with God and This is the image that I got from the Lord, I believe. So there's two kingdoms. In the middle at the top of this here chart is God. And I always draw God like that because it is the Trinity. And down here there's the kingdom of this world and I don't know how to draw him. But it is the kingdom of this world. So we have two opposing kingdoms. And then there is me or you. And pardon my artistic failures. And over here there is another individual. And you can put a name to that whoever you wish. But that is me or you. And when we think about the power of words, I want to begin with the power of intercessory prayer. So when I pray for Brother Samuel, I'm going to pray and I'm going to intercede and I'm going to have an intercessory prayer for Brother Samuel. So as I pray, my prayer goes up, to God because I'm not going to physically go to Samuel but I'm going to pray on him and intercede for him. my words they enter to the throne room of God. And then God, as I said last evening, that grace is metered from God to man according to the will of God and the power of God. so he dispels. as perfect as perfect can be. So then God will then bring upon Samuel what he seems and deems fit because my prayers are not perfect. But yet my intercessory prayer my words have the capacity to enter into the throne room of God and then meter down and that is what is called intercessory prayer. Now you keep that in mind. Now there's, the, the same can apply. So I was, uh, so my words, if I speak evil or wrong against Samuel, so I'm going to say, okay, we were at Samuel's house last evening for supper, and the place is an absolute dump. And he, he, we got there, and he didn't even recognize us. Like Samuel's, as far as I can see, he's a crook. Okay? And, okay, so these words, what happens with those type of words? Samuel, so far from the truth, you are a blessing. But anyway, let's continue on. Uh, But, so these words, they come out of my mouth. And what happens? Does God hear those type of things? Yes, it does. And they're recorded. But what happens then is the enemy is now empowered. I don't want to say that our intercessory prayer to God empowers God, but it enacts God, if, you can, if, I can, if that makes any sense to you. Likewise, evil speaking... And the power of negative, the power of of a death speech, one toward another. What it does, it engages and enacts the power of darkness and gives them destiny and purpose. Remember, God and God alone is a mission. The devil is not. God knows our heart. He knows our mind. We don't have to necessarily verbally pray to God. What I'm trying to say is audibly is what I meant to say. And he hears our prayers even in our hearts. Even though it's important for us to also audibly pray. But the devil, what we audibly say is the only thing that he can hear. And when we audibly speak about another It engages the powers of darkness. And now that he heard me talking about Samuel and about the negative things about him, it enacted him and gave him purpose and destiny right to Samuel. Before that, it's not necessarily said that he had that purpose or destiny. Do you see the power of the tongue? And that's what it means. It has the capacity of either life or death. Pardon me. And so, do you understand why the scripture says that the tongue has the capacity to kill? And I just beg us, for us to to consider that our tongue, when we open it and it speaks it doesn't just fall into flat air and space. Somebody in the spiritual realm is going to hear. And it's going to enact and empower and strengthen either of the kingdoms. If it is for good and you are interceding on behalf of another God will be touched and reached and he said that he hears our prayers and then he will intercede and this if we, if we speak negatively the powers of darkness will have destiny and purpose and so let us be on guard and so what our experience was Irma and I, was that there was negative speech coming from another source, and that's what brought about that cloud of despair and oppression over our lives. Until that was renounced, the devil had destiny and purpose. As it was renounced, he lost his capacity in my life. And I rejoice for that tonight. I do. Because it says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But I want us to understand that it is absolutely crucial. All these words are recorded, no doubt, because that's what the Bible says. And we're going to give an account for every, uh, every word we speak. But I just beg for us to understand. So when you're together, sitting together as friends, say after church service and uh, you've already heard of pastor, or pastor burgers in the parking lot of the church. I want to tell you, friends, without a doubt, if there is a community of individuals coming together And speaking ill of another, whether it's the pastor, whether it's another Christian, or another person, you are going to give an account for every single solitary word that you made upon that because what you have done is you have given the enemy, the liar, the thief, that fox, destiny, and purpose. You gave him a reason to do to another what your words are doing amongst each other. And for you as pastors, or for us as pastors, I'll just use this room on the side here. If we as pastors are sitting in our rooms and we're talking about individual situations in the church or individuals in the church, because that's what church is, it is different people in the church. If we as pastors are sitting in the room and sarcastically, critically, um, ungodly ways of speaking about anybody in the church, don't expect those individuals to find victory over whatever situation that they're dealing with. Because the devil also hears when there is you can be as religious as religious can be, but if our tongue is not harnessed by the grace of the Holy Spirit and and, and uh and directed in that way, the opposing will take those words and they'll go right to the individual that has been spoken about and bring about what he can do best on those individuals and who's the fault who needs to take responsibility of that we have a spiritual realm around us that we can't see I understand but it is powerful and it is called the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world now I also realize that the devil isn't omnipresent he's only in one place at a time but let me tell you He has a legion of angels that can cover a large footprint upon this globe. And they're all working together for the same cause. So it might not be Lucifer himself, but it might be one of his demons. And This is not fictitious. Demons are real. The devil is real. Hell is real. And so likewise, Angels are real. And, I, and, and Christ is real. And heaven is real. All these things are real. And God has angels working on his behalf. Lucifer has his demons working on his behalf. And this is for real. These are things that are happening in the spiritual realm. Outside of the scope of our ability to see. But this is literally happening as we speak. And that is why, dear friends, the power of the tongue has the capacity to bring life or death. It's your choice and it is mine to what we engage in. So intercessory prayer takes place in the spiritual world where battles of our own lives and our own families and our own friends are one or lost and keep that in mind and what do your words have the potential to do in the spiritual world something that we have to take into serious serious consideration so because who are we enacting with the words that we speak not one single word will exit your mouth and just uh, Just go to nothing. Not one. Keep that in mind. And what has it power to do? And I beg do not give opportunity to the devil. Ephesians 4 verse 26 makes that comment. And I don't want to read it verbatim so Ephesians 4 uh, 426 Be angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil And so what, and, and so we have the capacity with our tongue to engage and give him place. And God forbid that we would do so. A lying tongue hates those it wounds and crushes. And a flattering mouth works ruin. We have to understand, friends. Speak life. Jesus said, For assuredly I say unto you, whosoever say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And so when I think about praying to God, and speaking to the Lord, and I want for us, you know, I, and, I, and it, it, it's kind of humorous to watch, but what is the first thing that I ask you to say in the morning? What was it? What's the first thing? Good morning, Jesus. Now, you might think that that's kind of childish. But I want to tell you, friends, the first words that utter out of your mouth go to the glory of God, to Jesus Christ. Speak to him as though he is here because he is here. And I want to tell you my bidding as I prayed before I stood to my feet this very moment before I stood to the feet I prayed to Jesus Christ that he would be my primary audience and you would have the time to sit in and listen to our conversation between me and Christ. That is my bidding when I, when I go to the pulpit that Jesus Christ is my primary audience. It's important. He's here. Speak to him. He's your friend. Talk to him. Don't be shy. Speak to God and intercede and edify one another in your prayers, lifting each other up and so that the Lord God can and will speak to you on behalf of another. So 1 Peter 3.10 says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they may speak no guile. Men and women, we must consider the effects and the power of our words in the spiritual world. I can't emphasize that enough. We are either a servant to death or life know ye not to that to whom you yield yourselves servant to obey his servants ye are to whom you obey whether to sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness romans 6 verse 16 so if we yield our tongue to the will and the way of God he will be glorified and men and women will be edified if we yield our our tongue and our lives or our life and tongue to the evil world then we will bring about death and destruction it's important for us to understand And so dear friends who are we yielding ourselves to? And when I think about speaking evil and speaking wrong towards another I am leaving the altar of God and going to the altar of the evil one. I am leaving one to go to the other. That's a choice. It is serious. It is extremely serious for us to understand. So which altar, which throne are you bowing to with the words that you share? False witness causes death of an innocent man or a woman. So when I say man, that's not gender specific, but uh, that is mankind. False witness can cause the death of an innocent person. Proverbs twenty-five eighteen. Or a comforter can give hope to a suicidal person by a lifting up a word and bless. Slander can destroy the reputation of a good person. In Psalm 56 too, so much can happen. So the Bible vividly describes bitter words as arrows, and you all know how many of you here do archery hunting? I know there's a few. And what happens when you get bullseye with an arrow? It slices, it cuts, and it bleeds the animal to death. That is what a tongue will do. It's like an arrow. It penetrates. It cuts. Sharp and poisonous as a serpent. Psalm 140 verse 3. James 3 verse 6 says, The tongue is like a fire. Ignited by hell itself. You understand? How many lives have been destroyed by the fiery, manipulative words spoken by Adolf Hitler? How many lives? How many lives by the words of one individual? was a result of millions of deaths. Violence overwhelms this world because of words, hatred, bitterness. Lives have destroyed many children because of husband and wife. Exchanging some bitter, bitter encounters. And the children find those arrows in their soul. And it says in Proverbs eighteen, verse 19: A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And there are It's like a barred castle. That is how difficult it is when a person has been wounded and uh, offended and hurt by words. For that to heal is an extremely hard and difficult journey. That is what the proverb writer says And it says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. Do you understand, friends? Our words carry enormous weight. And so I would like for us to consider in the last number of minutes what the enormous weight of some of these things are that we possibly don't see as being as serious as what they are. So they often impact people for decades on the positive and also of the negative. So God says that we are not to have his name in vain. And all I want to say in this is in any way, shape, or form using the name of God in a casual or irreverent way is vain. Filthy language. I call it sewer speech. And the reason I say that is because I remember before I was a Christian my mouth was vile. And I had I was speaking with a non-believer one time, and as I was talking, and this still hurts deep in my heart just to think about it. But he taught he taught me a lesson. This unbeliever taught me a lesson. As I was speaking, he looked me in the straight in the face, and his he had a very sharp voice. So he kind of talked like this, and boy, did it penetrate. And I was talking my vowel way and he looked at me and says Willis is this a sewer pipe that I will never never forget and that is what I say filthy language I identify as sewer speech it says there in Ephesians 5 3 4 it says but fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. We hear that, right? He's not done yet. Neither filthiness. Now, what else? Nor foolish talking or chesting, which are not convenient, but rather give thanks. the power. Of words. But now ye also put up all these anger, malice, wrath, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. He's very specific when he talks about that in Colossians 3.8. So filthy language. Lying. Oh, oh, lying. Untruth. Proverbs 6 verse 16 says, there's six things that God hates and seven are an abomination unto him. A lying tongue and false witness that speaketh lies. God hates. And I don't think we want to be on the receiving side of something, that the result of something that God hates. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. So there you can see that what is an abomination to God is the, pot, the words of death. And what is a delight unto the Lord is the words of life. God is truth. Satan is the liar and the father of it. And when we lie, we leave the throne of God and go to the throne of Satan. And this is a demonic stronghold. Lying is and can be an addiction. There's chronic liars. And it almost seems as though they can barely help themselves. They just need to lie. And that's why I say we purposely, willfully bow to the throne of our choice and allow those the spiritual realm to control our lives, either God or the powers of darkness. This can be a stronghold. And we must identify a lying tongue as an abomination to God. Lying is a willful perversion of truth and not only by speech but by any means whatsoever whereby a false impression is conveyed to the mind. So not only in words but also if we lie with our demeanor we can, uh, body language is a powerful thing. But lying in any which way is contrary to God. And this sin requires repentance and confess our faults one to another, as it says in James 5.16. And be accountable to a brother, and thereby it can be restored. Restored. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Fourthly, sowing discord. And so what that means is to contest or quarrel or brawl. It is contentious. It It is discord and strife. And the proverb writer says, A naughty person a wicked man he soweth discord and when we think of quarrels and bickerings and all those type of things amongst christian people god hates that yes there are seven things that's there's six things that he hates and seven are an abomination unto him and the other one is he that soweth discord amongst the brethren Did you get that? God hates that because discord is divisive. And remember, as the name that the devil holds is diabolic, and that means very divisive. That is Satan by nature. And discord amongst brethren. Divides when God's intent is and will is that brothers and sisters unite. Fifthly, gossip. Gossip is, and now listen carefully. I will read it. Gossip is a person who habitually spreads intimate. And private rumors or facts. I'll say it again. Gossip is a person who habitually spreads intimate and private rumors or facts. For God's from God's point of view, if you are not of the problem or uh, or essential to the solution there is absolutely no reason for you to talk about private matters in other people's lives if you are not of the problem or essential to the solution there is no reason for you all to speak about it that's called gossip it can be true and it can be or it can be false but if it is just taking up space and communicating right or wrong information about an individual, it is called gossip. So I want you to understand, if you see, if you uh, hear these words, you know, when you hear uh, somebody start a conversation, have you heard? Stop. If those are the first words out of your mouth about another individual, Whoever you're talking with, stop. There's one time I was, I flew into an airport and another pastor picked me up to take him to the church for a week of revival meetings. And on the way in from the airport to the church, he started in this way. Well, there's a few things I would like for you to know about our church. I said, stop. I was maybe rude, but I meant it stop. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I want to be able to come to the pulpit and speak to you all not knowing. That way my agenda is not set and I can speak freely. Because that would have been gossip right to the core. If he would have downloaded onto my mind and heart information that I absolutely will not be a part of the solution or I wasn't a part of the problem. I don't need to know that. And I don't want to know that. So if you hear that word, have you heard? Stop. And because that can be a stronghold, Are the means of communication that we have today? It is a blessing, but my, oh my, oh my, can it be a curse? When you think of what is all transmitted in the airwaves in means of communication that we have today about other people, there's people with deep, deep despair by media. Bullying, if that's a term to be used. People are being degraded. And I I could speak a long time on these technology and what it's doing to the minds of people. Or communication. I shouldn't say technology, communication. It becomes so much easier. Are you saying things via text that you would not ever speak to a person face-to-face? That's gossip. And God hates it. And we must too. Slander. That is hand in hand with gossip, but this is what it says. A false and malicious statement or report about others. Slander. So we read some of these here words in the Bible and we say, well, what do they mean? They don't really even get that much of a kick. But slander is false and malicious statement or report about others. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. Proverbs 25, verse 18, and there's more that I could speak. Psalm 140,11, Proverbs 10:18, First Corinthians 5:11, and more. When it talks about false witnesses against his neighbor, that is a false and malicious statement. That's what slander is. Seventh, talebearer. Yes, That's also in the Bible. And those are also words that come out of a person's mouth. A tail breaking confidence is what a tail is. How many people in the church of Jesus Christ today have been deeply hurt because confidence was broken? That is called a tail A tail reveals secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. That's the word of God. Proverbs eleven thirteen, to be exact. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail the strife ceaseth. As coals are to a burning, or sorry, as coals are to burning coals, and wood to fire. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go deep down into the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs 26, verses 20 to 22. Do you get the picture, friends? The power of the tongue can bring revival or it can bring destruction. How many, how many people in the church are wounded emotionally, spiritually, because they don't confess their sins one toward another? Eight. Speaking cursing instead of blessing. In Romans 3 verses 13 to 14. And you need to read that on your own time. Cursing is exactly the opposite of blessing. Blessing. In James, uh, sorry, in Psalm 109, excuse me, as he loved, sorry, as he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delight not in blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing, like as with his garment, so let it come into his bowels like water, like oil into his bones. We want to speak blessings not cursings. Number nine, contentious speech. Speak a strife, belligerent, argumentative, combative, quarrelsome. That's called contentious speech in the scriptures. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with contentious and angry woman. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, So is a contentious man to kindle strife. Pessimism versus optimism. Now, optimism, you can also be unreal with optimism, don't get me wrong. But pessimism, there's a bear behind every tree. Conspiracy overflows pessimism. If you have a negative mouth, you have a heart of unbelief. He that did not, did, sorry, he and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If, I, if when something bumps you, what will come out of your mouth? If I bump this, what is spilled out? exactly what's in it. Whatever bumps you and whatever comes out is what's in the heart. It's not very difficult to hear. Don't forget that. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Scripture says, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and saith with tears, Lord, I believe. Help me, or help thou mine unbelief. If you don't think that we can conquer, then we are in unbelief. But I believe with all my heart, by the grace and the power of God, that he can bring restoration and renewal. To our hearts, and thereby out of our mouths will flow the living waters. I believe that with all my heart. So I'll leave you with this challenge in closing. Remember, your mouth has the capacity of death or life. So I want us to do three P's. When something comes to your mind, pause, ponder, and pray before you engage in a conversation, pause, ponder, and pray. And thereby your heart will be instilled and filled with the Spirit of God. And thereby out of your mouth will come the words that are sanctioned and blessed by God. Let's pray. Eternal God, we pause tonight, the close of this evening. I pray for your anointing upon each one assembled here and all those that listened in. I pray, Lord, that you would speak grace to us. Touches, O oh Lord. I want to intercede on behalf of each one here this evening. Lord God, pour out your grace and touch on every soul here tonight. Speak grace to them. Cleanse and refine our thought and our affection. Dear Lord, we commit all to you and pray against the powers of darkness in Jesus' holy name. In that power of the resurrection, we speak against the powers of darkness. And Lord, we want to lift you up, exalt you, and praise you, and edify one another to a higher call. And so we entrust all to you. Dismiss us now, Lord, with your blessing. Guide us with your grace. And keep us in your care. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.